0: Hey, this is Mike McDonald. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks podcast. The Yuck Yucks podcast. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Do you think you're the next Russell Peters? Why not find out by performing on our Amateur Night? Visit yuckyucks.com for information on how to sign up. Amateur Night is only available at participating Yuck Yucks clubs. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What is going on, my little yuckamaniacs? Welcome to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Jake Hirsch. Thank you for joining me on this wonderful, wonderful, fun-filled week. Yay! Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. We've got a great show lined up for you, as we always do every week. I'm, uh, I'm actually getting a little tired of saying that, because I think it's just an expectation now. Right? Isn't it? It's just an expectation. Everybody knows that the Yuck Yucks comedy podcast is going to bring you the very best of entertainment right across the country. Thank you. Yes, this week we have a stellar episode, but before I get into that, some announcements, some uh, how do you do, some how are you's. Uh, yes, I'm just wrapping up the uh, beginning of the <laughs> organizing this uh, Yuck and Comers amateur competition here in Calgary. You got to pardon me. I'm eating a little trail mix here. Um, a lot of work into this. I, I did not realize the amount of workload that I was able to pawn off on Scott Robertson, uh, the wonderful guy over here at Yux. Um, many of meetings, many of uh, many of uh, lunch meetings and, and coffee meetings and and, uh, and what have you to organize this whole thing. We were lucky enough to have almost close to forty. That's right, forty entrants into the Yuck and Comers comedy competition. Now, we decided to change the name of it. Last year, it's been running as um, Chase Your Butterfly, and I'm not quite sure where that came from. I think it was a Chris Griffin thing, um, or, or one of the comics that was uh, helping put it on years ago, but nobody knows. There's only a few, I guess, that get the inside joke of Chase Your Butterfly. Uh, I was not made privy to uh, the joke or the story, so I cannot speak on it. However... I know that when we sat down, we we all decided, hey, you know what, maybe it's time to pass the torch and to, you know, kind of rebrand the amateur competition. And I'm really excited to see so many people sh- not only sign up, but we're having a Q&A period this Tuesday, tomorrow night. And uh, we've got a bunch of people coming down to meet some of the judges. We've got some great celebrity judges. Uh, we've got some comedian judges. We've got... Um, yeah, just so just a whole boatload of people coming in, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it, uh, to the hosting duties. I'm looking forward to not, uh, you know, having to go up on stage and, and, and entertain the masses uh, with my, um, you know, deep wealth of experience in comedy, because I don't have any. Uh, hosting though is another ball game. Hosting, I can host, I can host the hell out of you. I can host your funeral if you want. Actually, I'm looking for work. If you guys can just throw me any bones here, as for no, I'm joking. Uh, but no, hosting. I love hosting. I love uh, just putting the spotlight on other people that are more talented and gifted as myself. Um, and there is no shortage of that uh, with this amateur competition. I know some of the names in here. I know some of the people that are coming out to do this competition, and I am very excited uh, to put the crown. And I, I, I promise not to pull a Steve Harvey, although that probably that probably would go viral. Yay! Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, what else is going on out there? We've got some, uh, you know what, just just go to the damn website, please, yuckyucks.com. We have got a ton of talent all across the country. Uh, next weekend, I am looking forward to um, hanging out with, uh, I'm hoping to, to, to get a couple of people on the podcast, people that I've been uh, chasing down for some interviews, and uh, get a couple that are coming into town this weekend. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, I hope you guys are enjoying the interviews uh, as much as I love doing them. Now, today's show was a complete unexpected experience. Now, I don't mean the podcast itself, the interview. We, this was a planned thing. It wasn't like I just uh, you know kicked down the door and said, hey, you want to do an interview? This was set up and everything. But, but, but... I really didn't go into this interview thinking it was going to be this much more than what it was. I thought I was just going to sit down. Uh, Our guest, by the way, uh, today is Mr. Ron uh, Jostle. Uh, I sat down with Ron, not knowing a whole ton of his background. I knew, obviously, I've seen his comedy. I was able to catch some of his comedy, uh, some of his stand-up and stuff like that, uh, You know, doing shows here and there. Uh, But I honestly (laughs) did not know his background. I've never sat down with Ron and, and just and just you know uh, went back and forth before, and it was an absolute pleasure uh, listening to his background. I was educated. I thought I was very knowledgeable in MMA, uh, mixed martial arts. For those of you who don't know the uh, acronym, I have been around the mixed martial art game for years. Turns out, Ron and I know a lot of the same people. We from uh, very similar parts of California as far as spending time uh, in certain parts of California, and knowing a lot of the same people uh absolutely fascinating it, it was it was just an, an absolute uh, amazing educational and refreshing interview that I got to sit down with Ron and just pick his brain and hear some of his backstory. So we do kind of go down the rabbit hole a bit. We we talk about MMA. We talk about some of the mutual friends that we had, uh, some of the places that he's been to and he's trained with some people and it's just absolutely uh, unbelievable. One of my favorite interviews and it was very refreshing to sit down, like I said, and, and talk um, not just comedy. And, and, and I know that sometimes... Uh, you know, a comedy podcast is supposed to be about comedy. But sometimes, as you know, we venture into other areas. We go into different places and and talk about whatever uh, our guest wants to talk about or just wherever the kind of conversation leads us to. And I was absolutely uh, blown away. Just a, a dynamite. Okay, I'm going to stop bragging now about Ron uh, Jostle. And, and and again, my apologies for, for, for getting Ron's last name. I don't know why I look at his last name and I, for some reason, want to say Jostle. Uh, Joe Soul. Jo, jo, it's Jostle for anybody who wants to know and who's not mentally incapacitated like myself. Uh, so, hey, enough about me. Let's uh, let's go talk to our good friend, Mr. Ron Jostle.
1: sound like if
0: you read jozel or or i don't know it's weird man uh, jostle jostle yeah that's weird i always think it's like Josol or or maybe that's just like my creative brain always trying to figure shit out that's not as complicated as it appears
1: i mean it's pretty normal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've never, that's the first time i've ever heard anybody ask i mean it's such we're, a we're off we're off on the wrong foot here man there's two you know o's in there that's too, so, yeah jozel yeah you Jossel. Jossel, Jozel. Those, I mean, really, both of them work.
0: You're like, who is this fucking guy,
1: man? Not at <laughs> all. You assume so much. I really don't think. Yeah, you assume more than you. I probably, yeah, I'm, I'm always, I'm constantly overthinking. I don't man. think at all. It's probably. I really, really don't, no, I don't give a shit about anything.
0: What What about up on stage, man, like when you're performing comedy and stuff? I'm, Are my, you I'm in, in the, the
1: zone? zone? I'm in my zone. I mean, it's, my subconscious is doing it I'm not doing anything. Yeah. That's yeah, like yeah. all re- that's all repetition and and consciously, my mind is just loading the next joke, really yeah, that's what it is I mean, yeah. you do anything are you recording now or yeah no? yeah, yeah. Uh, um if you do anything <clears throat> thousands of times, right, you're not going to be thinking about it consciously because your subconscious is doing it. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, like karate or driving or anything, you're cl- the first time you do it, you're using your conscious, I guess, your conscious mind. Right. Now, my conscious mind says, okay, what's next? Okay, throw this in. Yeah. What's next? It, it's the guy that's loading the back of the truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the conveyor belt, and the conveyor belt is just the subconscious doing everything for me. Yeah. In fact, sometimes I'll be speaking. I, in between my act where it's like you're riffing or talking to the crowd or doing whatever. Right. And then after you go, wow, that was a good one. You don't even realize it. No, because your subconscious is no. doing it all. That's crazy, man. Is that, how long? Uh, how, is how it long... crazy? Is well, it, like real. I, I think it's – You think people – like people in the UFC do not think. They don't – they just react. They, they, they have they to just... because if you're fighting somebody, the split second of you thinking will knock you out. Right. So your body has to be prepared from repetition. Right. To counter anything, or to strike when it sees the opening. Sure. Out of thousands of times of mat time or, or or stand up game or whatever, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's it's a good that's a good analogy for it because even like in stuff like uh, yeah, it took like Brazilian jiu jitsu for years and stuff like that, you don't. You don't have time to think. You just yeah, you I took, just it, 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 I took right? it for years, too. I took, you, it, yeah. I took
1: it in 1992 before UFC with Hoyce. No way. Yeah. Back in the Gracie days. Right? Back in Torrance,
0: California. Holy shit. Yeah. That's like the original Gracie days. The
1: original, uh, after the... Uh, he, uh, actually, it's after um, what it got the uh, garage. Yeah, that, the garage tapes. Yeah, the, yeah. The garage tapes that... Um, what's his name? Corian um, used to film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I history. did the Gracie Challenge in 92... Uh, it didn't make it on tape because obviously it sucked. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's it was 1992. They had the the challenge matches. No way. Yeah. So 1992, there was uh, on all the martial arts magazines. There were challenge matches. So my brother and I were like, that's crazy. So we went to Torrance, in 1992. Wow. And we saw the the challenge matches and everything, but we took a course and right. then we asked if we could do whatever we want and they're like oh, yeah do whatever you want no way yeah but it was and I do a bit about it that's why holy I, shit yeah, man. yeah. that's crazy yeah well it's like you you, you. it's like the first UFC nobody knew how to do ground grappling except, right. except Ken Shamrock and not even to the high level yeah yeah and so the Graces would take over and they would constantly take over like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu until wrestlers kind of figured them out a bit because like, there was no weight classes, so the wrestlers could hold them down and ground and pound.
0: Yeah, because it wasn't necessarily uh, tech, well, technique, so to speak. But, but uh, they like the wrestlers came in, and they, I think, they learned how to kind of, uh, just kind of like lay and prey on. Well, them.
1: the 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 two most the two big matches I know that changed the game uh, after. So, first of all, Hoist and all of them changed the game. Right. Nobody knew ground grappling. And then they were like, okay, let's. Uh, Let's try to uh, Use our, our grappling that we know So they use different types of Remco Pardue And all these right, guys Right, that, right, yeah. They really weren't at the level Yeah And then they had Mark Kerr
0: Mark Kerr changing Ma- Mark Kerr changing yeah. yeah, yeah
1: So Taking on Fabio Gorgel That's right Uh Gurgaul was not ready for that kind of strength. And again, there was no weight class. That's right. If there was the same weight class, maybe it would, would have happened. Another one was Murillo Bustamante versus... I remember that uh, dude. Uh, what's it, the big guy, the, the the cat. what's his name. Fuck. Uh, think, was it... Uh, it was in... Um, Eric... Erickson... a oh fuck, I can't Paul remember. Paul Erickson? No, 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 uh, no. It was a huge, huge wrestler guy. And it was in World Combat Competition. Hensel Gracie took on... Oh, they took for the main event. That's right. And Ella uh, got knocked out. But uh, Tom... Tom, Tom the Cat... Something.
0: Tom, yeah, he was that big guy from, like, the Netherlands or something, wasn't he?
1: No, he was from really American. Was he? Yeah.
0: Was he, like, a judo dude or something? No, he was a wrestler. He was, he was a, a
1: greco roman wrestler that was from the Olympics. He took on... Uh, a, I remember a, that a Bustamante. Now. And he couldn't... Emilio really was... was they could, they couldn't even take him down. I remember that dude. So then, then you saw you saw the then Mark Mark Coleman right, and then after that, wrestlers uh, started to lose again through the strikers. Yeah, uh, that knew how to sprawl right. right. Pat, uh, like uh, Coleman got knocked up by this guy Pete from Lions Den. Pete Sell or Pete? no Pete? Uh, what was that guy? He kind of <laughs> right looked there. like Frank at Shamrock. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. Bit. He did. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, the I guess the. New and imp- improved Gracie's sort of came out, or, or these Jujitsu guys came out with, you know, Minotaur, right, and Pride, and, and, and again, it was a, a guy that was not, uh, was not, was constantly submitting everybody, right. no matter what size. But he was like the new version of Hoist. Yeah. He had the strength; he could take a shot. And but he would still submit you, and he wasn't a great puncher, but right. he could box for you yeah, yeah. to, to stand in there. That's amazing. Yeah, and then, that and, then, and then and then and then fucking then wrestlers came back again with you know Fedor, and then fader got triangle choked. Right, right. By um, what's his name? The other Brazilian dude.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, v-
1: v- 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 Verdom. Verdom,
0: Fabio Yeah, that's crazy, man. I rarely get to talk fighting with comedians, man. It's kind of oh, refreshing man. to hear that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially um, that history. I mean, '92 was. Uh, I mean, I was around. I was around. Uh, I think in the MMA scene down there in like '94. When, uh, back when, like, Tito and Chuck and all those guys, D- Huntington Beach was, like, a pretty big hotbed down oh, there. Oh, yeah,
1: the, the Tank Abbott. And so I, can... I remember seeing those guys at, at Bar... We would go to Huntington Beach all the time in Orange County, and we would go to different clubs back in 93, 94, 95, and we would see Tito, we would see Tank, we would see these guys in the parking lots yeah, just yeah. chilling and have beers. No shit. And, we, and, and I would ho- always hang out with the Machado brothers that... They used to do uh, the Redondo Beach. No, it was uh, yeah. Redondo Beach Redondo was our Beach. first club. Yeah. And then uh, we, we we started at Hoist Graces, uh, Torrance. Right. Then we went to different places. We went to Hicksons for a bit, and Pico. We went to Henzo's in uh, in New York City. Right. We went. We we, we, we used to, we, used to st- we started. We remember when Matt Sarah started. Oh shit. And Matt's brother. Mark, I think. Yeah, Mark. Yeah. yeah. Younger and, brother, I Yeah, think. so we, yeah. we we trained with these guys. That's crazy, and, man. And uh, we, we trained with, uh, in Montreal, too. Uh, a lot of my... F- I started jiu-jitsu with Mark Bocek, Carlos Newton. Holy shit. Mark um, Bocek was like the guy that taught Dana White uh, uh, jiu-jitsu. Yeah, well, Mark Bocek started with me uh, in a club called Grappling Arts Academy when he was 13. And he was this wow. fat kid. No right? way. Yeah, this is 1992. And uh, or 93 or something, and he he get his ass kicked from uh, this bully at school, yeah. And then he did jiu jitsu for a couple of years, he lived with H- Hickson. Hawkson was his, his his best friend, no way, before Hawkson got murdered. I always wondered about that because, yeah, because he was a Canadian guy, east coast, yeah, east,
0: east Canadian guy, but. But uh, he had a phenomenal jiu-jitsu, man. And, and he had a really tight, tight relationship with the... Uh, well, Hoxin and,
1: and him were like best friends. Wow. And then so he learned in Hickson's house. No way. Yeah. And then Hoxon died. And um, I remember seeing Kron and Hoxon at, the, at the, the Gracie tournament uh, seminar when they used right. to come to Toronto. Yeah. And uh, and they're just kids. Wow. And then uh, Hoxon was wrestling Mark Bocek. They are both like the same age and hoxen got him an armbar and Bochuk just slammed his head on the ground. And, no way. And how and, how, uh, how? and who is it? Hickson was like, "Hey, hey stop it, guys! Come on, stop <laughs> it!" <man." laughs> They're like yelling in Portuguese. Yeah. And he runs, and uh, yeah, so. Mark Bocek, uh, he started at the Grappling Arts Academy, and then he went to the Samurai Club, which Omuni Isaac was this Israeli Commando uh, fighter, right. um, Krav Maga guy. Krav Maga, yeah. That really was really the first teacher that uh, uh, Carlos Newton was. Uh, oh, the, the Ronin. The ta- yeah, the Ronin. All that stuff was not Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. It was not Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It was really Krav Maga. He didn't know. He did not train in Jiu-Jitsu. No way. It was Judo and Krav Maga. So he won the title. Before even trying, ju- ju- Trained, uh, training in Jiu-Jitsu. jiu-jitsu. Really? It was, that was that's real uh, Israeli commando shit. Wow! And nobody knows that. Everybody's like, "Oh, that's just the Gracie Jitsu That he? No, 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 this is that a, was Krav That's Krav They again, they learned it from Japanese people, same right. with Gracies. Sure. They, they, you know, the Japanese people learned it uh, from fucking Indians. Wow! But like, really, th- hundreds, thousands of years ago. Yeah. Because the Indians were the first grapplers. That's right, that's right even before Roman before the Greeks. Right. They taught the Greeks, they taught all the And then eventually you had this Gracie thing happening. It was happening also in Japan, it was happening. In, but the Gracies really fine-tuned it right. for real street fighting, where everybody else kind of did a tournament form where you kind of like negated all the real stuff that could really happen to sure. you in a real fight. So yeah. the Gracies really took it to that next level, and then you know the now it's just like everybody knows it. Wow, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: It seems nowadays that it's, uh, I don't want to say, uh, uh, you know, watered down or anything like that. But, I mean, like, I remember I came up with uh, Joe Marrera. Who Joe was, Marrera, oh, my God, yeah. yeah.
1: Orange County. I, I remember Joe Marrera. He had that uh, fight. Uh, I was watching it was, it was these snuff films of used to get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he would take on some guys, and he would just mount them and then just, just yeah. beat them. And then Dude, he went shit. to the UFC, and then that was when you kind of saw... Um, jujitsu tournament, jujitsu not do well.
0: Right, right. You know because yeah, because I think he fought. I think he fought like Paul Varlins and Paul some Varlins, of those guys. And yeah, yeah, it yeah. was just way
1: too again uh, the weight difference. But sure. but the, now, if you see the jiu-jitsu levels they are right now, unbelievable. Yeah. Like the uh, EBI, the, yeah, yeah. the Eddie Bravo Invitational, right. and the Metamorphos, and yeah, and, and, and uh, it's just you know Gary Tonin, and yeah. I don't know if you know these guys Absolutely but uh who's another guy who's uh Cummings
0: Yeah uh, yeah
1: and, and uh and uh he's what he's like the best right now he's his he's uh what's his name Uh What's the name <laughs> Not Caesar I can't remember but uh this guy's like on right now like yeah, he's yeah. he's just him and Gary Tonin are just insane. Yeah, because like, I remember, would, like, when the, all those started
0: happening, it was the older the older ones that kind of handed it off were, like, the um, uh, Jacare and, and those tournaments. Jacare and, and, and those, Hager Gracie. And, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Jacare
1: is un, still unbelievable. He's still unbelievable. You know? and, yeah. and what he did, with, with, I remember yeah. one fight where he took on um, Hajar Gracie. Before Hajar beat him in ACDD, but or, it was on the, I think it was the... Um, like Pan Am's, he broke his arm. Mm-hmm. Like Hadro Gracie armbarred uh, Jacare's arm, Right. broke it, and the ref didn't stop it. Holy shit! And so Jacare took it out. He just—it was a dangling arm that was oh just was dropping down to no his way. knee, and he wrapped it with the belt, on and he finished feet? the fight. No way! And he was able to win on points. Holy shit! Yeah, talk about an animal, man. Yeah, uh, it's unreal.
0: That's oh. a different level of, uh, of toughness, man. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Like That's he, some
0: crazy shit. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I could talk MMA all day with you, man. That's insane. I got a history lesson in uh, in, in in MMA, man. That's incredible, oh, it's, dude. it's unbelievable. Wow. So, okay. So take me back a bit. So, so you grew up in Toronto. I grew up in Toronto. And, and
1: when did comedy start coming in? Like, uh, comedy came in 1997. 97. Uh, I, I April. It's gonna be my 19th year this to next wow. month. Yeah. Wow. So April 17th was my first time I ever did comedy in 1997. You remember back, like, your first time on stage? Yeah, I, I have it on tape. I got booed off. Did you really? Well, I, I thought comedians didn't write jokes. I thought everything was improv, right? So right. I thought that Eddie Murphy Delirious and Chris Rocks would bring the pain, and and Seinfeld's, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever, HBO special. I thought they were just making that up as they, as went, they went along. And every show was a different show. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's amazing. So I went up there and just started improv and it just died, you know. And and what was crazy is that um, people can improv today, but right. it still takes you 10 years to learn how yeah. to do it that, to that level. Sure. Jay Orkison, like, and even that, it's like there's still some – Stock riffs that you're using you're not right. even improving the whole thing at forty five minutes yeah you, know, you do just some stuff you're just still repeating, but uh at that when i was when I started, I thought that's what they all did, wow, you know, and uh and then after that, I really learned right away how to write Have to start write write some jokes and just start writing sure. and then you could do both you could do write some jokes and talk to the crowd and write some jokes and like right. and just perform them back and forth. did you find though that that uh that was like a make-or-break moment? Like, did that inspire
0: you more to get better? or Because I know for a lot of people, you know, their first time or the first couple of times, if they don't have that success right off the bat, like, that really kills a lot well, of confidence. I, I, well, <laughs> I
1: think that, you know, a lot of comics that I speak to, they'll always say this. They'll be like, you know, I wish I started earlier. I wish I started 10 years ago. I wish I started at 14 like Eddie Murphy did or mm-hmm. Chappelle. I'm like, you started at the time you were ready to start. Right, right. Because if you started before, then you would have. Sure, Right you yeah. mentally prepare yourself to do stand up through your whole life, like right. every comic when they start comedy, they're ready right because if I started a year before see here's the thing i I did a, I did a stand up show for my college in George Brown because the last assignment was everybody did just stand up for all three classes that was a, a film and television show right a, a course and so there were like a hundred students that you had to do a comedy show for right and that was eighteen but That still didn't make me want to do it until probably until I was 22. Wow. So 18, 19, 20, 21, three years went by. I did start at eighteen. Then, if I thought about it, right. But those three years that went by it didn't. It didn't really hit me until twenty one, twenty two. I'm like, okay, this is what I have to do. Now, now at twenty two, you thought like, this is this going to be is it. My it. career path. This is it. This is it. It, it, it. Whether I told people it was a hobby or my parents that don't worry, I'm going to be. I'll get a day job. That right. I, in my head, I knew this was going to be it. This was it. Yeah, and there's no. It was. I was so confident and and not on stage about this being my career. Right. Like even though I'd bomb, her I go, no, it's okay. I'll I'll figure it out. Yeah, it's just something that came more natural than anything else I did, even wow. more than jujitsu. Yeah. That's incredible. And jujitsu was a very natural. It was it was a, I never used power over technique. You know, mm-hmm. A lot of people intensity over user. technique. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was yeah. always into like, uh, let me go. If you push me there, I'll uh, push me. I'll go with you. Right, right. You know, flowing. Uh, yeah, yeah. where that's in in comedy, it's the same way. I find that it is a lot in the same way
0: and and even like like i always say say to people like people are always like you know like like when i first started out i remember uh my first real taste of it was in academy big john mccarthy was the instructor back then right in uh at the lapd and la county service department he was the he was the jiu-jitsu instructor because he was came up under the gracie gracie uh, uh name and stuff like that but uh i remember thinking back like like when I would do it and we, obviously when you first start, it's a very humbling ex- experience. You get tapped by guys who are younger than you and smaller than you. Yeah. And for me, it was a very humbling thing. I, and at first it turned me off. Cause I was like, I don't, know, I don't know if I fucking like this. I'm getting schooled on the mats, but I remember sitting down with people over the years and realizing that, uh, you don't get better until you have to go through that process. And there's a lot of times when I think people go you're like, Oh, like, why do you do that? Like, or why do you go and you train and stuff like that? And the, For me, it was like when you're when you're sparring or at the end of class and you're just rolling through tech, you know, whether it be techniques or drills or or sparring or whatever. uh, In that moment, I don't think about anything. I don't think about bills. I don't think about relationships. I don't think about stress. I don't think about shit. I think about just being in that moment. And I find that comedy is a lot like that. Well, I
1: mean, you know what? There's I find there's no difference between when you started as a comedian and you started doing jujitsu. You're going to get tapped. You're going to get booed. You're going to get tapped constantly. Right. And you're going to not do well constantly. And then there's that... There's like three, four years go by and you're like, oh shit, now I'm doing well. Right. I'm not getting exposed anymore as easy as I used to be. Yeah. But then the game gets harder also. You have to take on bitter better you have to go after better comics you have to do comedy in a harder crowd you have to do comedy in different types of venues that are different right. you know just harder and the stakes always get harder even sure. in my level and even in somebody that that's you know chris rock's level right their stakes get higher like you think that was an easy job he did you know like for the the, 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 the Awards. Awards. Yeah. that's a high stake gig absolutely you know and he to me that's he did so well for the type of material he was doing. right right, right? and in jujitsu it's no different for me you roll, you tap, you get roll you keep rolling, you tap after three or four years, you start beating everybody. Yeah. And you're probably the best in your field. Right. And then you have to go next belt, then you're low again. You
0: gotta start go getting your ass
1: kicked by yeah. somebody else. You always have yeah. to start getting your ass kicked. That's right. You know, yeah, like, yeah. hey, you want to feel good? Go take on the blue belts. When yeah. You want to feel like shit? Take on the brown belts. Exactly. You yeah, that will so humble you, you pretty quick. You want to do good? Do an open mic as a pro. You want to feel good. Yeah, you want to feel humbling? Go to LA and go after fucking yeah. Christelia.
0: Was, there, was your guys, or, or not even guys, so to speak, but comedians that you look at as, uh, even like right now, that you aspire to get to that level? Or are you, are you like, you know what? I'm confident in the game that I've got right now. Obviously, there's always going to be you know masters of of the game yeah but are you at a level in your career because i mean you've been doing this for a long time and you've had incredible success uh are you comfortable are you confident
1: now uh i'm i'm confident of my of what i've done uh for eight, 19 years so i'm not i mean i'll always my conscious my conscious and everybody's conscious is the only thing that you have to control mm-hmm. because the subconscious is already done right so when I go after these big fucking comics, you know, my conscious is the only thing that stops me from doing well. Right. My subconscious can do it. Yeah, yeah. If I freak my freak out before going after Dane Cook, Chris Delia, Chris Rock, whoever, then I'll lose. Right. But if I go look, consciously you have you have to know that you've been doing it for so long, you should be okay. Yeah, yeah. And you should trust yourself. Right. That's the kind of mental game I have to prepare myself when I have to go after these great killers. Right. Right, but if I don't have to go through these great colors, it's what I have to still do is put that, put, have the same mindset when I do a gala for just for laughs, right. do a showcase for Letterman sure. or, 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 or Conan. Right. same same thing. Right. Don't let your conscious freak out. Right, right. And same thing when you first start. Don't let your conscious freak out. Mm-hmm. Let your subconscious enjoy yourself. Yeah, you know. And so I have to keep that on the high stakes. Now, I don't think at anything when I do an open mic. Right. Even if I do this weekend. Sure. I'm like, it's going to be fun. Right. I don't have zero stress. Right. But when I play with the big boys or big leagues or at the time where there's going to be guys that have to fucking follow that are killers, right. I have to really concentrate and focus on not letting my conscious think it's a big deal. Right, right. And it's it's a mind game throughout, you start to the end. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and, and you see Chris Rock and Chappelle they're both si- share the same stage sometimes Chris Rock doesn't do great sometimes he does great sometimes he bombs because he practices so much and i i asked him a few times you know do you feel bad about it and he's like yeah right but that's just my conscious feeling bad about it but yeah. it really realistically this is a there's a bigger there's a bigger picture that that i'm looking at and the audience is not seeing and the other comics aren't seeing at that point that's interesting but, but i could see it and yeah. it's okay that you bomb when you're practicing as well. Right, right. You know, so it's a, it's always a mental game.
0: But like after 19 years, do you look back at at your career because a lot of people that's the big misperception or misconception about comedy that like you know, if you look at like pop culture so to speak, uh you know, guys like Louis C.K. and stuff like that, people just got on to his comedy. You know, four or five years ago when he started doing Louis the TV show and a lot of people started coming up and and really getting a lot of exposure they don't realize they've been doing this for 20 years they don't realize they've been in the game for such a long long time Uh, when you look back over your career does it feel like you've been doing it for 19 years I mean it's a tough tough gig I mean
1: you're living on the road this, this, this is what it feels like um Every five years, comedy changes like a style. Mm-hmm. So right now we're in kind of an alt style, storytelling style. There's now there's there's five facets of comedy outside of standup comedy that still on uses comedy stage. There's the roast battles, mm-hmm. there's the setless shows, there's the storytelling shows, there's the uh, riffing shows that Jake Oakson o- 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 created, right? Right, and there's like there's another one. Like there's like you know five different facets of comedy that you do on stage. And what's happening is you have to evolve to every five years with right. comedy. Right. So a comic that's been doing as long, say I'm doing it twenty years, mm-hmm. another comic only hits the road, only hits the road for twenty years. Right. Now on that facet of comedy, on the road, he's probably better than me or just as good as me. Right. But probably better because that's all he does. Right. Or she does. But then what if I do the alt scene? The LA and New York club scene, where you have to follow the the greats, right. and you do the road, right, right, and you do all these other tiny shows that they put together, like the the set list show and the roast battles and the you know riffing shows. Then I'm evolving more and than this person, game just as, yeah, you know? And if I'm showcasing every month, as opposed to this person that's just showcasing once a year, once every two years, right. I'm my showcase sets probably are tighter. Yeah, not that, I, you know, but. So he's doing well, or they're doing well, and I'm doing well in more things. Right. So I'm more equipped to live and to survive as a real comedian. Absolutely. And they're not equipped to make changes. What, if they hit 55. Right. And they're no longer that age where bookers want them. Right. What if you didn't do anything else but that? You're kind of fucked. Exactly. You know, because there's nobody outside of 25 I see on the road in the U.S. Right maybe not Canada, but in the U.S., that wasn't famous at one point or another. Right. If you were famous at one point in time, Angel Salazar from... uh He's 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 from Chichi from Scarface. Yeah, he was yeah, a DC yeah. cab. He was in yeah, I do now. Yeah. that guy's is comedian. He's a comedian. He started in the early early eighties or even late seventies. Right. He still has a fan following at sixty five years old. He still goes to these b clubs. Yeah. And you'll see these guys that are in their sixties as well that remember Salazar. Holy shit. Or whatever, right? And yeah. all these guys that have these fa- fan followings, they can keep doing comedy until they die. Right. Because they were, they were, they were. Popular at one point, right? But if you never had that, you're done at 55. Done. They're yeah. not going to book you, right? I don't see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you don't have that, uh, if you don't have that that base, then there's no. I mean, they're not going to take a chance on trying to sell out a club every week, trying to put someone in there that they don't know.
1: Not only that, if they're not young and good looking or young and hip, they're right. they, they can't really use you. Sure. I, and, and I I could have all the comedians in fucking the world say that's bullshit. That's bullshit. I work. I work. Yeah, you work, but realistically, ninety percent of these club guys want the sold-out name guys. Right. And if you don't have that, then they're gonna get somebody that's cute or young or at least hip. Exactly. You know. And yeah, yeah. and after fifty-five, if you haven't been famous ever, right? Why would they pick you? There's, no, there's a guy that's so ready to kill, willing to come up and with, with no name. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have a name either, but you look older.
0: Who was on the landscape when you started coming up in the comedy?
1: Well, Russell Peters was already eight years in, but he was a guy that took me kind of under his his wing when I first started. Uh, He was like, hey, come follow me. Open up for me for a year, and then I'll showcase you for Mark Breslin. And Mark Breslin saw me and after one year, and he was like, you have an incredible fucking five minutes. I'm like, thanks. He started working me on the road, and I only had five minutes. So I was doing – I could only do five, and I left – and the bookers were like and yecas like hey man you're supposed to do 25 as a middle right i got i only have 5 <laughs> and brezen they called brezen one time and they go Hey, your comic uh, that you just promoted only I mean, had five. It's like, let me talk to him. I go, what's up? It's like, why do you only have five minutes? I go, because you said all you need is five to get into any club. <laughs> and after he was like, okay, well, I'm going to showcase you in six months. If you don't have twenty, I'm kicking you out. Get uh, out. So of them, I mean, it took me like six months to get twenty, which was not great twenty, but it was good enough. Yeah. I, to tell you the truth, I've never got a twenty that fast since then. Holy shit. Yeah. You yeah. know. But and then so Russell Peters was kind of the guy that kind of. Kind of stirred me into the direction, and and then um, you know he said he said like I did the Just for Laughs competition in 1998, and he was like you're not gonna win, and I go why? Because you're not the right color. I'm like okay, and I won it.
0: Have you? Wow,
1: man, no. And 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 some people were like, only reason why you won was because you're Filipino. I go that doesn't make any sense because my father could have won it then. You know. (laughs) <laughs> if I told him to come. On. there has to be some. Go, oh, you talk about the Filipino stuff. That's the only reason why I'm like, yeah. Well, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, it's it's almost like uh, it's almost like one of those
0: damned if you do, damned if
1: you don't. Like,
0: right, you, you're right. not going to win because you're brown or you're Filipino. Yeah. or You know, oh, you only won because you're brown or you're Filipino. Or yeah.
1: Whatever. But and then I understood what the person meant because that sure. year I had to go to California. Uh, I was asked to do a Filipino comedy show. There were like ten Filipino comics in 1997. There was already ten. There was a guy named Rex Navarette, Joe Cohen. There was. Edwin San Juan, there's Dan Gabriel, there was uh, Mark Fernandez, there was Joey Gila, Bernadette Benagtas, and there was like another who, uh, whatever, me, and then me. Right. There's probably eight Filipino uh, comics in 1997, and by the time I went up, all my Filipino material was already performed on stage. Right. So I was like, "Oh shit! That's what, <laughs> that's what the guy meant." You know, I have to do stuff what white people do—just talk about my life. <laughs> you know, and then that's what I did. And then from that point, I'm like, "I get it now." Yeah, like, yeah. You know, uh, it, it was
0: because that's when, funny though, because you, you mentioned about the five minutes, and I, I just listened to an interview with uh, with. Uh, Big J Ogerson, yeah, yeah, and he said like that for the first five years that was his life. It was like you get your five, you work it to death, yeah, and then you just keep on going from from there. That's incredible.
1: and then as the middle, you know, again, you're not supposed to. You don't have to do as great because you're not the headliner, yeah. And then you build your time, and then after, eventually, you you start headlining, and uh, you constantly work on the new five. Mm-hmm. You constantly do thing to do two, two, two things. Like for me, I constantly work my new five. Right. And I'll constantly work my my hour. Right. And there's a bunch of stuff that will say I, I, even if I hit an hour, I still have other things that I didn't do on that show. That it's still good material. Right. It's still like in the pro. It's still like. You know, you're still working on it. You're, you're changing it up. You're always working an hour. You're always working on the fives. Sure. Like, if I don't have a five, if someone says, hey, you got to go on right now. If I don't have a five or, or an hour right when they say go, then I'm not ready as a comedian in this world. Right, right. They have to be ready to go at a Anytime. drop of a dime. Yeah. Like, the, these guys are gun, gunslingers. And when I mean that is like, if they got, hey, I'm not going to put my five together. You better have it.
0: Right,
1: right. LA guys or New York guys, they showcase every month easily. Wow, man, that's incredible! Because there's a, how many shows are there? Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I
0: recently talked to a to a LA comedian and and uh, casting agent in the whole nine yards, and he was making a pretty interesting reference. He said like, "There's so many shows in LA, and there's so much people down there doing stand up and stuff." He said, "LA is really like the gym that you work out in to get better, and you go and you showcase that to the rest of of the world." Is that is that pretty accurate? Do you think?
1: Um, you know what? There's two. If you're famous, yeah. Yeah. If you're not famous, kill. Right. You got here's the five major clubs in L.A. I know L.A. more than New York. You right. know, in, New York is not my thing, you sure. know. But I, I, my, 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 my my club booker's from there, right? So he books me, which he's a cool guy. But anyways, Comedy Magic Club, Comedy Store, Laugh Factory, Ice House, and the Improv Hollywood. Improv. Those five. If you're not well known, kill, kill the fuck out of these rooms, right? Right? Because you what your goal is to get booked again right whether it's the same room and other room that someone else runs yeah now there's the now if you what's happening in la now there's like or probably everywhere else too there's the alternative scene now there's like let's say there's 20 or 10 really good rooms that are alt rooms mm-hmm. ubc virgil i don't even know them all like right. you know, i think eddie del seppi knows them more than i do yeah he's been there for two years doing those rooms um you know, chatterbox, whatever. Let's say right. there's like, you know, these five major rooms, you see uh, West side theater. Then there's another 10. That's also cool too. Yeah. Right. And then there's another 20. That's oh, also shit, cool too. Man. And in every level you have to fucking kill. Right. Because you want to keep getting work, Right. And until you establish yourself as a comic that they can rely on and the, already respect then you can fuck around a bit sure right but if it's a pure open mic i'm t- not talking about open mics these are booked rooms that you have to call like the people pay to see these shows you know right these are not open mics you can fuck around the open mic yeah, yeah like to me you could do that right that's what's cool about toronto or anybody else that lives outside of new york or la your home city is the best boxing gym you'll ever go to yeah, yeah. because you could fall you yeah. knocked down get up Nobody gives a shit. Right. You do that in L.A. and New York. No. Right. Right. Because there's too many people better that that, that will kill. Right. And so you have to be the top of the killers. Wow, man. And th- th- that's the hardest part. You know, back in the 80s, I would say this. People were saying, "Do you say this in the 90s? Don't go to L.A. when you're ready. Wait for L.A. to call you. Mm-hmm. Okay, for sure. Why? Because if you, don't, if you fuck up, then they will not work you ever again ever again right but that's not true because i 1997 i went to los angeles and uh for comedy first time right i had a comedy now tape and i brought it into Jamie masada's office who runs the laugh factory right and i said is there a Jamie masada that works here and the lady goes no he owns it and he's in the corner he's in the in the office right now, I'll call him, and he comes out, and I go, I have a tip. I'd like to work at a club. Tell me what you think. Right. He goes, come back in an hour, buddy. I'm like, okay. So I we drive around with my cousin. I come back in an hour. I see it. I go inside, and I see it in a garbage pail. Like, hustling and flow, this guy threw it out. Holy shit. And I was heartbroken. I was, you know, 1997. No, it was, it was, it was 2001, so I was, like, 23 or 24 and I, I go with Jamie. He's like, he, he left. He went for lunch. So I walked out of the Laugh Factory, and then I turned around the corner. And he was there. He was. He just finished lunch, eating in a cafe right beside it, a right. deli. I go, you don't like my tails? No man, you suck. he's like don't don't come back here unless you have a new five. And we have so many ten times better Asian Filipino comics than you. Holy shit! And, and he goes, get out of here. No like, way! And I walked to my cousin's car. Like, just like the, defeated. Uh, man. Yeah, defeated, and. uh so my cousin's husband at the time was an he was working for Aaron Spelling he was he, NYPD Blue he was the editor for NYPD Blue now Shit. he's the director for Psych which is canceled but he's a he's a big he's an yeah. Hollywood director now and he was like don't let him dis- dictate what makes you good or funny right uh, there's too many people that he's gonna see anyway I go look they say that if you fuck up once don't come when you're invited he goes okay well you could either believe that or you can start your own journey. Right. Literally five years later, I'm going back to L.A. Do a complete different material. Right. And uh, Russell Peters finally blows up. And I was I was there before Russell blew up. So finally everybody's like, Hey, this Russell Peters guy. I go, he's my friend. Bullshit. I go, Yeah, he is. No way. And, uh, and after he finally comes to L.A. and he's and I see him, he's like, Hey, this is my this is my friend Ron. And he, he introduced introduces me to all these guys. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, this is so cool. He goes, and some of them were like, Hey, I know Ron. Right. he was the guy that would just do the open mic circuit right and they're like I know this he never knew it was your friend It's like yeah and then so I got a call um, I I used to do this I used to go I have to go to LA every four months this is when I'm 25 26 every four months I'm going to save a thousand dollars right 500 for the flight and then 500 dollars uh, for my food and Kinda all that lived. stuff yeah. my cousin I stayed in her house right and she cause, and, and she gave me a car right so every four months, I saved $1,000 I did this. Oh, shit. For five years. And then um, eventually, one of Russell's friends, Ruben Paul, was like, hey, there's an opening for this new thing that Jamie Masada from The Laugh Factory is doing. I go, what is it? He opened this club in Long Beach. And for anybody that's moving to LA, or not LA, LA uh, Comics, they have showcases every Thursday. There's 10 people on. Can I put your name down? I go, yeah. So... I'm in LA right. and I go and Jimmy Massa is looking down all the comments. It's so and so here, it's so so here. Uh, Ron Jostle, I go here and he looks at me. He's like, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> I rem- I know you. Where do I know you from? And I go, uh, and the first thing that comes out of my mouth is Russell Peters. I just said his name, mm. and he goes, Oh yeah, you're his friend. Sorry. Okay, so <laughs> you're number f- you're number nine out of ten. Holy shit! And kill the showcase. Yeah. He's like, Oh, we would like to you to be part of the family and you call in for spots, blah 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 blah. Right. So what I realized is that people don't remember. Sure. They really don't. Right. Because there's too many comedians now. Right. Maybe in the eighties or nineties that saying was true. Sure. Maybe the pool was a little bit smaller and, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, not anymore. Right. I mean, every <laughs> I, I, I could only guess how many comics are out there in LA in a year, like there's probably a 1000 I'm not joking. Maybe five to eight thousand. Holy shit! Like that's our amateurs and non-amateurs and mega stars and middle stars and wow, man! And just everybody just doing it. You know? That's incredible. What a great story, dude. What is? I mean,
0: because there's a lot of. I mean, obviously, I interview interview a lot of Canadian uh, uh, talent here, and and this seems to be kind of a uh, a common theme, I guess you could say, is, is that people feel the need to go to larger markets like L.A., New York, stuff like that to. I guess, quote, make it. Is there well, is there enough opportunities in Canada? And if so, are we creating enough or, or do we need to do a better job of that?
1: Okay, if you, here's an example. Uh, Russell Peters living here 10 years ago before he blew up was making $30,000 a year at best. Right. All right, and say when I was living here full-time and doing comedy in Canada full-time, maybe I was hitting 25000 at best. Right. Um, that's terrible. Yeah. Right? Why don't you open your market... And now play the U.S. Right? Why don't you open the market? And play the U.K. Why don't you open the market and play Asia? It's right. huge in Asia now. I was going to say you got dates like all over the world. Right? Well, Asia has comedy clubs. Yeah, yeah. Like actual comedy clubs that re- that that they 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 pretty much mimicked, not even mimic the the they constructed the same way they see uh, the comedy clubs in New York City. Right, right, right. What happened was Russell Peters. What Russell Peters did, and Seinfeld, I would say, Seinfeld made. Everybody. Okay, this is what Russell Peters did. Russell Peters was part of the ecosystem of comedy. If you don't love his material, whatever. Right. Right? If you love his material, great. He was part of the ecosystem where it, he, he bridged the gap from North American comedy to the world. Right, right. And from 10 years ago, they started comedy in Dubai or the Middle East, in Scandinavia 10 years ago. That's when comedy started. You know their vets are their their godfathers are only ten years old. That's incredible. You man. know Asia ten years ago there wow. were corporates here and there, but never sure. nobody nobody really were. The, the, the locals weren't doing comedy. Right, right. Now ten years ago everybody was like, "Holy shit, let's do comedy." Sure. So the internet kind of made everybody understand English, right, and made everybody love uh, comedy through Russell, right, and then eventually like Seinfeld because Seinfeld was. Just trans It transcended race Sure And culture
0: Everybody Yeah it resonated with everybody Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and so those two people Kind of made the, the ecosystem of com- they're Part of the ecosystem of comedy So now I go down there And now they have clubs Their favorite comics Our favorite comics right. There's The world is so small Because of the internet a, a fucking 18 year old Chinese guy from From Beijing Or whatever Is now doing one-liners Like Mitch Hedberg Or he's right. He's talking With no With a little bit of an accent Sure But they still have the same train of thought, right? Right. So now it's a worldwide thing. So why would you just stay in Canada uh, if your goal is to make more money? Now, if your goal is to stay in your country and and live there and love it, that's great. Sure. But if your goal is to actually make more money, then you have to open your horizons. Branch out. Now, what's the next level? I've made more money living, going around the world, but is it? There's no end. I mean, is there an end to this? What's What's going to happen to my future? Sure. If I don't make the change between Being the road guy and goes into town and it goes road guy that goes to L.A. or just stay in L.A. and audition and try to make a name for myself through TV or writing or even comedy. Sure. There has to be a there has to be some kind of jump because my next 15 years it will be done if I don't make some kind of name myself. Yeah, I or think there's so that group of shows. people
0: that just kind of wait for something to happen as opposed to going out there and really creating it for yourself.
1: Yeah, so, man. so it, and, and I think there's two things of why people go to LA from that they're not from LA to make it number one. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I want to gamble. I want to see if my comedy or what I look like or my acting skills can get something on TV. Right. right. Second thing I think is that um, you want to test yourself mm-hmm. to see how far your comedy can be Accepted in the meccas. Sure. And if it is, it feels great. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, the third thing is, I love California, and you know what? If I can make a living doing stand up comedy and then eventually, you know, get into producing or setting up my own shows and not be famous at all, then let me go do that. Yeah. You know, so there's. the Why not different... do it in a place that you love, man? Yeah. <laughs> and, I, mean, if, I mean, if you can make a living in comedy in general, thank God, that's great. Sure. Right? But, but, you know, certain comics want to make it, that's the end-all, be-all for them. Certain comics don't want to, don't care about making it and just love to be in their own country, in their own right. city. Some comics are kind of like, if I don't make it, it's not a big deal, but let me just keep going. Right, right. And that's where I am. It's yeah. like, I don't care if I make it. If, if I do, that's great. Right. But I'm going to try to find some kind of following or produce a show that will keep me living for the rest of my life. Yeah. And and if I'm after the age of fifty five, hey, I hopefully, hopefully, I have a, a killer produced show. Yeah, that I could throw myself on here and there. Absolutely, but make that hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever. Yeah, exactly. What's yeah. up next for you, man? I know we're running short on time here. What's up
0: next for you? How can people uh, find you, Ron?
1: Um, social media first. Uh, I would uh, Ron Jossel one. That's, that's my Instagram. Okay. Um, Ron Jossel is for my uh, Facebook. And uh, Twitter is at Ron Josselin. Perfect. Um, I don't have a website. I I mean, I could use Squarespace. Uh, maybe you can help me with that. There we go, man. There yeah, yeah. we uh, met. We met for a reason, man. I've had a, I've had a, web, a website uh, since 1997, and maybe until three years ago. Yeah. And it had over like two, three thousand guest book signs. No way! All the stuff, and it shows all my dates. and It, yeah, yeah. so, it looks so great. Yeah. And the the person just left. I don't even know where the person is. So I'm just like, <laughs> hey, <Square laughs> Space just came out. I could pay seventeen dollars a year or whatever it is. Exactly. You know. Uh, yeah. So you can't find it in my dates. So you have to go on Facebook and uh, and uh, and you'll see it there. But uh, after this, I'm going to Vancouver. Then after Vancouver, you go Abbotsford, and after Abbotsford, I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to do all the bunch of these, the the the, the showcase shows in L.A. Yeah. I'm going to be at the Brea Improv. I'm going to be at uh, the Parlor, which is J.U. Davis's Home night. club there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where it's all Hollywood people in the audience. No, and right. and they, they do not laugh because you if you're not famous. So, <laughs> uh, And then I'm going to be in Oklahoma for that weekend. Nice. A comedy club called uh, Looney's. Loonies, yeah. I've heard of that club. Yeah. yeah and then after that... Um, back to LA for all the clubs and then go to the New Zealand for the you music conversation. Right? Yeah. Holy After shit, New man. Zealand, I'll do uh, a month in uh, Asia and then maybe Australia again. Wow, man. Yeah. That's incredible. It's okay. But it's, again, I, I want to be in LA more. Yeah. Audition and just, you know, make sure I start some kind of uh, network and build my name brand. Sure. Yeah. That's excellent, man. Well, on is absolute
0: entertaining and informative and educational interview man is definitely hey, thanks, one of my man. favorite ones and
1: uh, hey thanks for doing this buddy. hey man let's no let's grapple take let's off your do- shirt <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go wrestle in the living room here <laughs> <laughs>
0: And there you have it, the Ron Jossel interview. What did I tell you? Very educational, very informative. It was a, such a great, great podcast. I loved it, and uh, I'm looking forward to keeping in touch with Ron, such a very, uh, very talented guy. So, hey, be sure to check him out wherever he might be. He is all over the place because uh, he is a, a champion of comedy, folks. He is a rambling ambassador of comedy. Uh, hey, on behalf of myself, your host, Jake Kirsch, and, of course, all of our Wonderful people over here at Yuck Yucks. Mr. Mark Breslin. Executive producer Kira Williams. And of course our web master Camille Sorovi, who makes it all happen. I cannot forget my boy who does all the intro music. Mr. Lane Argue. Very talented musician. Go check him out. Be sure to tweet us. At Jake Hirsch EG. Yeah, oh, that's a nice telephone. Uh, Jake Hirsch EG on Twitter. And of course you can find all of our people there on Twitter. Using the hashtag YYCP support your local yucks guys thanks for sticking around and we will see you next week